Welcome to Small Biz Brainiac, providing employer intelligence that helps you navigate the regulatory landscape and keep you on course running the business you love. Here's your host, Thomas Rock Lindsay. Welcome to episode 25, What's Good for People? This is your source for employer intelligence. My name is Thomas Rock Lindsay, and I'm your small business ally, instructor, and servant. I'm here to help you thrive in your role as an employer. I teach small business owners to become employer brainiacs in just seven minutes every Tuesday and Thursday. Wellness is only one component of your employee's well-being. Workplace strategies that address employees' physical, emotional, and social well-being can increase employee engagement. What can you do to enhance your employee's well-being? What's good for people? We'll answer that question on this episode of Small Biz Brainiac. Let's rock this. You know, while doing some research, I came across a website with a treasure trove of reports, including one called What's Good for People, written by Kate Lister, president of Global Workplace Analytics. And after reading the report, I knew I needed to share it with you. It's actually the perfect sequel to episodes 22 and 23 about employee engagement. So I emailed Kate. I told her about the podcast and asked for permission to read it on the show. She graciously agreed. Now, Kate is president of Global Workplace Analytics, and she's an internationally recognized authority on emerging workplace strategies. Kate has co-authored three business books. She's a regular contributor to several online business sites, and she's an accomplished speaker, entrepreneur, corporate executive, and philanthropist. And I'm grateful that she's allowed me to share this with you. So let's get to it. People cost far more than buildings and they are far more valuable. They, not the machines they operate, the desks they occupy, or the technology they use, are what ultimately creates shareholder value. Sadly, much of what has been called workplace strategy in recent years has been more about cutting costs than supporting people frequently to the detriment of the latter. Research shows that happy, healthy, and engaged employees produce more and cost less. An organization's workplaces, work processes, and work practices comprise an ecosystem that has the potential to enhance employee well-being and thus organizational performance. Many employers would assert that they make a significant investment in employee health, but few do so in a way the World Health Organization and others considered optimal. Since 1948, the World Health Organization has defined health as a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being, and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. If we know that good health requires more than just physical wellness, and that employee well-being can have a big impact on business outcomes, why do so few organizations make the investment in it? Only 11% of organizations offer what is considered to be a comprehensive wellness program. Among these organizations that have a defined budget for wellness programs, only 17% spend more than $150 per employee per year on their programs. Those that do spend more are reaping the benefits in terms of increased engagement, greater productivity, reduced cost, greater shareholder value, and more. Corporate wellness initiatives were first explored in earnest in the 1970s and expanded in the 1980s when risk managers began to understand the importance 
of ergonomics in workplace safety and employee health. As technology assumed a larger role in business, the study of cognitive ergonomics added mental workload, the man-machine interface, and decision processes to the focus. Only recently have organizations begun to consider what a 2011 Knoll report labeled holistic ergonomics, a concept that embodies the physical, mental, and social aspect of work. There is a disconnect between the limited breadth of issues that office ergonomics currently addresses and the broader direction in which office work is evolving. If we focus on only a fractional part of office work, individual discomfort and posture during interaction with the computer, we risk missing many opportunities to enhance the well-being and performance of office workers. Thanks to a growing understanding of the importance of employee well-being, the concept is finally making its way to C-suite conversations. The direct cost of poor health is estimated at about 15% of payroll, but the cost of presenteeism, being physically on the job but not performing due to poor well-being, actually costs organizations even more than absenteeism. Taken together, direct health care and the cost of productivity lost to presenteeism can total between 25% and 35% of wages. But even that is not the total cost of poor employee well-being. Poor employee well-being can reduce engagement and morale, increase overtime, require overstaffing, increase turnover, and make people more prone to accidents. Even something as simple as the shift to daylight savings time has been shown to increase the incidence of heart attacks, traffic accidents, workplace incidents, and presenteeism. Employees with high levels of well-being not only cost their employers less, they are more productive and more engaged in their work as well. Eight different studies by organizations including Harvard Business Review, World Economic Forum, and the American Journal of Health Promotion showed a return on investment of wellness programs of between 144 and 3,000%. While cost reduction is the primary driver of well-being programs in the United States due to the fact that domestic companies foot the bill for a large portion of employee health care, outside the U.S., the three top drivers are reducing presenteeism, reducing absenteeism, and increasing engagement. The good news is that increased employee engagement can significantly aid in improving the other drivers. A meta-analysis of more than 250 research studies covering nearly 200 organizations in virtually 50 industries across the globe, showed that employees with the highest levels of engagement are absent 37% fewer days than those with the lowest levels of engagement. What's more, they are more loyal and productive. The combined impact of these and other key performance indicators ultimately results in happier customers and a stronger bottom line. So we're about halfway through And we're out of time, so we'll finish up the other half on the next episode. But before we finish this one out, let me just quote a few of the graphics. For example, the war for talent. 63% of employees are ready to jump ship. 85% of the global workforce is actively or passively looking for a new employer. And 87% of the global workforce is not engaged or actively disengaged. Only 11% of U.S. corporations offer what is considered to be a comprehensive wellness program. And only 17% of organizations with a defined budget for wellness programs 
spend more than $150 per employee per year on their programs. And the direct and indirect costs for poor well-being is between 25 and 35% of payroll. So the moral of the story so far is spend a few bucks on employee well-being, which in many ways is synonymous with employee engagement. Put a program together, focus on the people, and watch your key performance indicators rise. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Thanks for listening to Small Biz Brainiac. To get your questions answered by Thomas directly, visit smallbizbrainiac.com. And for more employer intelligence, be sure to join us again here on Small Biz Brainiac. Thanks for listening to Small Biz Brainiac. To get your questions answered by Thomas directly, visit smallbizbrainiac.com. And for more employer intelligence, be sure to join us again here on Small Biz Brainiac.